It's a funny place to be, stuck in a seemingly mundane world with an inner knowing that the universe is so much more than our mortal minds can comprehend. Yet we all have the capacity to know peace and our oneness with the wholeness of life. And through these interviews, discussions, and reflections, it is my intention to share this possibility. I'm Ryan Kurzak, and this is the Kriya Yoga Podcast. Is our dharma self-realization, or is our dharma what we do in this life after self-realization? Well, there are two, two layers to that. Your, your, your dharma as a human being is to wake up. And that's why we are all here. Um, more and more people are realizing that. But the idea of waking up, it's been treated as though it's an accomplishment or it's an achievement. When really it's just the natural progression of, I'm going to use the word spirit here because I don't have any better term. It's the natural progression of spirit. And um, we have the human body and the, the chakra system and the nervous system. It's evolved in this way so that we can do the practices and, and live in such a way that we move through the human experience. Because many people only know the human experience, they think the human experience is it, to make the most of the human experience. You do want to make the most of your human experience, but the, the human experience is just a transition, just like all other transitions are. That's why in the holy science, uh, Shri Kishwar describes, you kind of go from a, a human state of consciousness to a devata, uh, a god, godlike or holy, in a way, state of consciousness, to sannyasin. Um, and so there, there's a progression beyond human experience too. And the way that we grasp that is by doing what we're doing. Because we can't grasp it when we really don't have any sense of what it's about. The good thing is, is that many of us have an intuition that it's possible, that there is something else. And so then we have the trust and the faith to have um, authentic testimony about it, and we trust it, and then we have our own experience of it. Just like I told you, for example, with uh, the, the musical um, desire that I have. Well, once that was fulfilled, then it's almost as if that human part of myself had been fulfilled. Like that had been fulfilled. So now what is left is to continue going inward and focusing on realizing what comes next or, or what, is, what is this translating into? What is this transforming into, this, this life experience? And that's why a lot of the things that I found interesting when I was younger, I just don't find interesting anymore. It's not that I'm repressed or aloof or, you know, it's not like I'm looking at a plate of bacon and thinking, I really want it. But I'd say, no. I cannot have it. It's, I look at it, and I still like bacon, by the way, but I look at it, and I'm not going to go nuts over it. I'm not, I'm not pulled in that direction, just like I'm not pulled in a direction um, to travel different places, or I'm not pulled in a direction to accomplish things I wanted to accomplish earlier because they just don't have the same, uh, they just don't have the same, uh, I guess, pull that my spiritual practice does. Like that is what feels the most enjoyable thing for me. And so our dharma, our natural dharma is self-realization, but it's not an achievement. 
It's not an accomplishment. It's not a purpose that's here to transform everything. It's not that kind of a purpose. It's just a natural purpose of life. And we all have that. Everyone has that. Even people who are absolutely unaware of it, they're working it out in their own way at the level they can. Just like Robert described all the experiences he went through and how that contributed to this. When he was in those experiences, do you think he was sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to help me in my self-realization? <laughs> no. And there are experiences I went through and there's experiences you've gone through that you might have had before you even thought about spirituality. But those things, they were... It seems unconscious, but it's really not. They were unconsciously helping you, providing for you situations and circumstances to move in this direction. And what we're trying to do is now we're recognizing it. So we're, we're, we're now using the wind that's at our disposal to catch, catch the wind to move us more fully that way. Or we've learned to notice how the currents move in life so that we're not just kind of randomly moving from here to there. We're, we're learning to see the currents to help, help that happen uh, more rapidly. You understand? So our Dharma is self-realization. That is the highest thing. And everything you do needs to be in service to that. That's why we have the idea of brahmacharya. Brahmacharya, the real meaning of brahmacharya is to recognize what your purpose is, to acknowledge that, to say, this is my purpose. And then you look at everything else in life wondering, does this serve that purpose? And that's when you start finding that things do work out the way you want it to. And I don't mean the ego way, but I mean thing, things are provided for you to achieve that purpose because it is a wholesome, actual, real purpose of life itself. And when you say, I'm going to engage in that, and then you, you start being discerning, saying, will this contribute to it or will it take me further away from it? And you start picking out those things that will take you closer to it. Then you start noticing, wow, I got this book and it helped explain what I was wondering about. I saw this video and out of nowhere I understand what I was trying to figure out. I needed money to go to a retreat and somehow, you know, I, I accidentally had a mistake on my taxes and I got a refund that allowed me to do it. Just like when, when I first started teaching, um, uh, Roy said to me before my first uh, church lecture that I was to give at a Unity Church, he said, make sure you wear a suit. I didn't have a suit. I didn't have the money for a suit. And so I was a little stressed about it. He says, you better wear a suit. <laughs> so uh, Melissa said, don't worry, we'll get him a suit. We went suit shopping. I saw how expensive they were, but I had a credit card. It's like, all right. I don't like using credit cards, to be fair. And those of you who do, pay them off every month, okay? You want to you wanna manage your finances well. If you can, I realize some circumstances you can't always do that. But um, uh, we put on the credit card. It's like, okay, well, I've got some, a little bit of debt now. I'm going to have to pay that off. And I went and I did the talk. I did a Korea service afterwards, and I took donations. And the amount of money that I got from that service and those donations was the exact amount to the cent of how much that suit cost. Exactly. And that was my first experience of being like, huh, I guess I am supported. And, and I've heard Roy talk about this again and again when he would talk about um, going to see Yogananda and, and how it, he got rides from one city to the next and people just offered to buy him meals. And it's as, 
it's as if he, he got you know, limo service right to, to self-realization fellowship. And then he talks about life and how did it work out in the way he had initially planned, which was, uh, I think I talk about a little bit in this book and you can get more details from uh, Paramahansa Yogananda as I knew him. He describes how once he left SRF, there was the um, understanding that he would be, still be a minister of SRF and be able to open up a, a center as a minister. I think he said Colorado, and he wanted to become a chiropractor to help support so he didn't have to depend on you know, donations and things. Um, and he decided to go to SRF and say, I'm ready. And they said, yeah, well, you know, Yogananda's not here anymore. James Lynn passed. We have other ideas. And so what did he do? Well, then he started writing books. He started traveling. And that meditation center he thought he was going to have in the mountains of Colorado was provided for him in the mountains of Georgia. And that's a whole story in and of itself. But again and again, he, he, he describes this idea of grace supporting him on his mission. Why did it support him so much on his mission? Because he decided to make choices to engage that mission, and he did not do things that got in the way of that mission. And so for some odd reason, however it works, the universe said, we're going to help. You know? and, and things came to him that he needed when he needed it. And I found that to be true, too. You know, you've heard some of my personal story. Well, some odd reason, at the end of every one of those experiences, I was supported. I wish I wouldn't have had to have gone through certain things. But looking back, I can't say in any of those circumstances I was not supported because of what followed after that. Um, so brahmacharya is about deciding what is important to you, what is your dharma. And then being very real and saying, well, this is what I'm going to do. And then doing whatever it takes to do that. And then you will find things provided for you that will allow that to come to fruition. And I'm not even just talking about spiritual things. We'll get to the second part of this question. Anything, really. Um, if, you, if you read biographies of famous musicians, before they became a famous musician, they were working multiple jobs. They weren't getting any sleep all to serve their purpose of being a musician. You know, many people these days, like, I want to be a famous musician, and they wait, and they wait, and they wait, and nothing happens because they really don't want to be a musician. You see? Like, people who really want to do something, they will work two jobs to be able to do that thing. People who really want to do something, they will make the sacrifices, and they won't complain about it. They know that it's in service to that. Um, so the next question, is our dharma what we do in this life after self-realization? No, your dharma is what you do all the time. And to break that down a little uh, easier, many people think that their dharma needs to, be, uh, needs to be this life path that they wake up in the morning and they're ready for people to celebrate them for what they're doing. They're, they're ready. They want people to be like, oh, you are the greatest Ayurvedic practitioner. You healed my whole family. Or they want people to, um, they, they, want, they want some kind of self-celebration of, of what they are doing. And really, Mr. Davis would stress this a lot. He'd, he would say, you know your dharma if you just stop and take a look at what your skills are. What are you good at? What can you offer to the world? 
what can you offer to the world? Asking yourself, what, what skills do you have that you can offer to the world? And it doesn't have to be even, even for this purpose. It's just, what can you do to help keep the world turning based on what your skills are? And music is an important one. Teaching yoga is an important one. Being a cook is an important one. Taking out the trash is an important one. I mean, I, I think about this all the time, especially after the pandemic. What would happen if your weekly trash didn't come? <laughs> what would happen? Your garage would be filled up with crap. You know, the, the vermin would get in. The plague would come back. I mean, you know, there's, there's all kinds of things. There's all kinds of things that would go wrong. So you have to find what are you able to do um, and then offer that. Um, and another, another part of that is, is there's another level to it. Going back to the idea of people wanting to be celebrated for what they do, many people don't feel they have a purpose because they're not kind of in charge of their own vocation or they're not in charge of their own uh, work or, again, they're not being celebrated in some way. Well, um, finding someone else who has a mission and a purpose or finding an organization who has a mission and a purpose or um, a project that has a mission and a purpose and serving that can be your purpose. So it doesn't have to be your own unique in the sense of me. It can be, you know, I really feel it's important to uh, explore physics. I really feel it's important to explore space. All right, we'll get a job helping an organization uh, or learn physics that, that supports that. It's not you as an individual, but you are contributing to that. Uh, maybe you volunteer for hospice. Maybe you like gardening. Maybe you want to teach young children how to dance. Those are important aspects of Dharma. And if someone or something else already has the template and the framework, you helping them is also Dharma. You see what I'm saying here? Because then it becomes more of a, a, a communal experience versus a, a, a a distinctly personal experience. So your dharma is what you do based on your skills, your abilities, your capacities, and then just provide it. Now, early on, did I have the capacity to teach when I kept asking Roy if I could be a teacher? No, but I went to CSA every year and I would say, what can I do? And Willie would say, why don't you show up at 4 a.m. and help me chop some vegetables? And that's what I did. When I would go to the Center for Spiritual Awareness, I'd get up early, I'd help them chop vegetables, cook food. Um, I, would, I would ask him, what can I do to help? Because I believed in Roy's mission. I believed in the purpose of sharing Kriya Yoga. And every May, I think it was, uh, he would have a, a book giveaway where he would give away any and all of his books for free. You could take as many as you wanted. If I wanted six boxes full of Life Surrendered in God, he'd say, load it up. And then I'd take those books and I'd take them to libraries or I'd you know, give them to my friends or, or whoever I could. And that was my way of supporting that. And I felt a distinct sense of purpose in that. I felt a distinct sense of dharma in that because I was supporting something greater. So um, that is what your dharma is. And you just keep doing it. There's no end to it. You're not going to reach a point where you're going to think, I've achieved my dharma. Your dharma is what you just do until you're done. Just like I told the story of what was Mr. Davis doing up until about 20 minutes before he passed. He was writing the truth journal. He was, he was working. That was his dharma. There was no end to it. 
The same thing with my wife, Melissa. Um, the whole time she was going through what she was going through, you know, that was before we, we had to wear masks. So I had a year and a half of wearing masks. So when people were complaining, I was like, come on, you know, you can wear a freaking mask. Um, but uh, uh, through that whole process, when she's in the hospital, when she can barely walk, people are coming and she's talking about her work, you know, with resiliency train, with the adverse childhood experiences. She's, she's, she's in it the entire time probably clear up until maybe the week before she, she checked out. So that is an example of someone engaged in their dharma, and they just kept doing it. She didn't, see an end, she didn't see an end. Roy didn't see an end. I don't see an end. You just do it until you can't do it anymore. And that's your dharma, right? And your dharma changes, too. You know, your, your dharma isn't always the same thing. Um, for years, my dharma was practicing and teaching astrology, and I absolutely believed in that. And there's the reason that I created the, the four-year astrological program that I did. And there's a reason that it's still thriving, even though I'm barely involved in it. <clears throat> so that was my dharma. But then something happened, and I was able to shift to a new situation. Before astrology, I was a massage therapist and a craniosacral therapist who had some uh, interest in Ayurveda, and, and I spent eight years doing that. That was my dharma at that time. But it shifted. So your dharma is based on your skills and your abilities and you do it to the best of your ability and you are open and adaptable to shifting from time to time if you need to. This episode of the Kriya Yoga podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Kriya Yoga.